Hello and welcome to the Driving You Crazy podcast. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I am pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters. You can find me on Twitter at JosephDenver7. He's at Denver 7 Traffic. By the way, we're um, uh, huge in Spain. I mean, Did you know that? We are huge in Spain. Now I know. Uh, we had numerous downloads in Spain over the past few episodes. Excellent. Numerous. Um, we're also growing in Japan, India, and Belgium. Yes, Belgium, the Cinderella team. Actually, I can't believe they actually beat Japan in that um, in that last it, match. It was a classic, first and foremost. It was crazy. Second, why aren't we growing in America? Uh, we are growing in America, but okay. we're also growing worldwide. I just wanted to make that point abundantly clear. Excellent. Uh, but, but, you know, since Iceland is out of the whole competition anyway, and Germany is out, I, I got no team. I have no team. Uh, rooting for chaos. <laughs> I didn't think they were playing. <laughs> Are they playing? Whatever whatever the craziest result is, I'm in. But you know we're going to wind up with Brazil as the champs. Uh, well, I hope not. Uh, by the way, let me be the first to wish you a happy National Vehicle Theft Prevention Month. Uh, thank you. You thought I was going to say happy 4th of July, happy Independence Day, something like that. I, I sure did. Because it is a holiday and we are still working. I mean, but we're both wearing red, white, and blue, and that's all that matters. You're not. I, oh, well, your Patriots hat. Correct. Stop it. That's not red, white, and blue. That I, is just pure evil. I don't think there's anything more American than <laughs> Patriots. <laughs> You're, okay. 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 Here is my favorite story of the week by far, Joseph. By far. Dateline, Mount Olive, New Jersey. Authorities say a woman drove drunk to a New Jersey police station where she was picking up a man who had been charged with drunk driving. Yay! <laughs> yeah, that's it, was, it. It was only four beers. She was fine. <laughs> Mount Olive police say 49-year-old Melissa Vitale of Rockaway appeared impaired when she arrived at the station. She was soon charged with drunk driving after she allegedly failed sobriety tests. Can you just imagine this woman showing up at the police station so bombed that they say to her, uh, ma'am, can you please put your arms out and try to touch your nose with your finger? Uh, do you see this line? Can you walk a straight line for us, please? <laughs> Seriously. It's awful. But there's no breathalyzer results, right? Well, I didn't, uh, well, I didn't see any breathalyzer okay. results uh, that came from forth from this from this story we shall see man some people fail sobriety tests and then it just winds up they were on medication and they get off scot-free there you go That's maybe my... this woman was on a lot of pills maybe she was on something uh and by the way uh it, it it's um fourth of july um it is our independence day no i'm not going to break out into the bill pullman independence day movie speech do you see that movie Nope. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. Why would you? Um, yeah, it, it is one of the classic Fourth of July movies. Uh, it is. I I'm, even posted a uh, a funny meme about that here today on my Facebook page. I mean, that's basically like watching the movie. Um, almost. I mean, the best part is when they start blowing things up. So that's me, always the best part of almost any movie. There's nothing more patriotic than Lee Greenwood, right? Uh, no, Lean Greenwood, yeah, he, I would say he's up there in the upper echelon of, of patriotism. I'd say number two behind Abraham Lincoln. Oh, you think so? Yeah. He's, he's up there, too. He is. He is it's, it goes Lincoln, Greenwood, George Washington. Uh, well, one out, of, one out of the three is still alive, I believe. 
Uh, anyway, this is a week where a lot of people are drinking and driving. A lot of people get into crashes, kill themselves, or uh, kill other people. So, um, And a lot of people obviously get pulled over for DUI. So let's not be one of those people. We want you, our loyal listeners, to, to be here for years and years to come. Because we hope to be here for years and years to come and want you to be the same. So that's enough. That's my rant. Uh, speaking of rants, here's my second favorite story of the week and my vote for Citizen of the Week. We don't have a jingle for that. Uh, Ron Ward, he lives in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Ron is really fed up with the driver speeding past his home just like me. But Ron is so fed up that he has put up a hand-painted sign reminding people who drive down his street and past his house to slow down. Uh, this is what I want to do, but my wife won't let me. I was going to say nagging wife, but, well, not that she ever listens to this, but. Well, you did just say it. So. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> See, Ron Ward's sign reads, are you blind? It 25 miles an hour. That's exactly what it says. That's not a typo. It's, uh, he says it 25 miles an hour. I'm a big fan. Okay. Um, Ron might not be the best with grammar, but he did put up the sign, he said, to remind the drivers that the speed limit outside his house is 25 and not 50, which he routinely sees people doing down his street. Um, I, I, I applaud good old Ron because my neighbors also don't know about the 25-mile-an-hour speed limit and routinely go much, much faster than that past my house. But is it your neighbors, or is it just people who live down this, like in a different neighborhood who are there? No, no, no. They all. It's like it's one neighborhood, and then I'm on one of the main... There's two main ro- uh, streets to get out. Okay. And so uh, it's not like there's a cross-through or anything, unless you're driving through the open space, which I don't think anybody's really doing. Mm-hmm. Um, neighbors said that Ron's been doing this for years, my point is, obviously, it's not working. No. Um, the city of Grand Rapids says your best bet, if you had a similar problem, is to call your neighborhood association. Is it? Obviously, that's not working either, Grand Rapids. No, but really, what does a neighborhood association do? Nothing. And that, they're not going to stop the exactly. people speeding. I was going to do that with my HO. Well, that's the problem with Castle Pines. They have too many layers of government. Mm. They have a HOA, then they have a master HOA, and then they have a metro district, and they have a city, and they have a county, and then we have a state. This is my most unpopular opinion, but they set things up that way so that you can't get anything done. <laughs> to keep people in power who who can just make whatever decisions they want, there's no way for you to do anything about it because you either get bored, fed up, or just stymied by the amount of red tape that you have to cut through. And sadly for Ron, uh, they say that the traffic manager will has no actual action plan on how to deal with the speeding. Um, they've talked about putting in speed bumps and the other uh, devices like that, but that's not happening because that costs money. Mm. Grand Rapids apparently doesn't really have any money to do that. Um, Ron thinks that it's construction on some other roads that is driving people to drive down his road because they're frustrated with the construction on the other roads. Um, but he just wants to sign to remind people to slow down. And that it's 25. Then it, yeah, exactly. I applaud his efforts, but it's going to go absolutely nowhere, Ron. Yep. Thanks. Uh, here's an odd one for you. Dateline, Adelaide, Australia. The bomb squad was called by Australian Federal Police to the local airport there after an abandoned bag was found inside the women's restroom inside the terminal building right near the gates. And inside the bag, the squad found a male rabbit wearing a red harness. I'm glad they decided not to blow up the bag first, as they often do. 
You've seen that where they the bomb squad oh, yeah. comes in oh, and yeah. blows things up. I'm just I'm why would you call the police on a bag with a rabbit in it? Well, I don't think they knew the rabbit was in there first of all. I think they were just reporting a suspicious bag. Why well, I, I I don't know, man. I have a lot of questions about this story, but it really cuts to the heart of what happened to the American and I guess Australian spirit of just opening bags when they were abandoned to see what was inside. Maybe you find some identifying thing and then you can call the person like a rabbit. Is. Yeah, I know that's yeah. what I thought too. Well, the police say the young male rabbit was clear was uh, clearly well socialized. He was well cared for. Had was harness trained. Uh, the police uh, put him in a large box. Got some carrots from Subway, <laughs> the restaurant. <laughs> so he had some fresh shredded carrots to munch on. While they waited for the Royal Society of the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in Australia to uh, take over. They took the rabbit. Uh, there is speculation about why the owner left the rabbit uh, in the in the restroom, though. Uh, obviously, it was a woman who in the women's restroom. I don't think that's obvious. Okay. Uh, one idea is that the owner could have been leaving the country and knew that uh, leaving the rabbit in a well-populated area, uh, the rabbit would be found and then well cared for. Uh, or they may have been planning on smuggling the rabbit on board the plane and then backed out at the last minute. And figured they'd just pick it up from customs on the way back. Maybe. I don't know. South Australia's Animal Wel- Welfare Act make it makes it illegal to dump um, animals. So I don't think that person was really concerned about that and more concerned about getting the rabbit on the plane. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm working on a story. I just saw something about how the airlines are all coming together and writing this letter to the DOT so they can stop the shenanigans of all these support animals, emotional support animals, from ferrets to groundhogs and snakes and reptiles and all kinds of crazy animals to be on the airplane with us. So I should have more on that. Next time. Do you, you ever notice that none of these people have, like, emotional support tigers or giraffes <laughs> or animals that you can't fit on a plane? We never hear about those emotional Peacocks. support animals. That's true. They tried the peacock. They did try the they, peacock. They've had turkeys. They've had, I must not have seen the turkey story. <laughs> you must have missed, missed that one. Uh, and we've, we've talked about this a lot, Joseph. The problem with public transportation. Uh, the main problem for me is that there are other members of the public on the public transportation. I mean, I, for the most part, I like people. I like you. Right. I like most of the people in the newsroom. Um, but I'd just rather travel with the people that I'm closest related to, as in my wife and my two girls. Um, and then I work out from there. Uh, that's just my personal preference. Sorry, people. Uh, even if it's just to cross town or going to work or growing up, going across the country. Um, but if I have to, I'll do it. I'll have to, if I have to, I'll get on the train, get on the bus, whatever it is. I guess I prefer a train more than a bus, but I'll do it all. Anyway, this is a perfect example of why I feel this way. Here's a viral video that's come out of the Bay Area after a passenger on the BART train confronted another rider because he was eating breakfast, eating a burrito, a breakfast burrito on the train. He was just eating it, munching it along, enjoying his burrito on the train. Well, the video shows a man on the Oakland-bound BART telling the eating man that he shouldn't be eating on the train and that he has no regard for the rules of the train. Here is what that audio sounded like. You can't wait. Science has no eating and drinking. You don't get it? You don't get it. You must be stupid. 
Yeah, you must be stupid. Yeah, seeing people like that on TV. This is the best part when he when he goes to the back of the train and picks up the phone to call the cops. Yes, please. Can you get a policeman on board here? We got somebody dining in the first car. Number 356. He's dining, dining, eating on the train, eating on the train. Thank you very much. See, this is the problem with this guy. He started saying he was dining on the train. That's what he was originally trying to tell the cops. Instead of just saying, there's a guy eating on the train and it's pissing me off. Leave the eating guy alone. Exactly. Leave the eating guy alone. There's signs up. It's okay. It's okay to break a rule once in a while. In the Vegas trains, buses, uh, you weren't allowed to bring anything on on, on board. If they saw you with it on the way in, they would tell you to, like, get get rid of it but if you opened it up on the bus it was fine and so i tried to bring a cup of coffee an iced coffee with a straw in it onto the bus and the driver said you need to throw that out and i said are you for real like (laughs) is that are you serious because it's you go on the bus to be left alone you go on the train to be left alone right you have your space you should be able to do with that space what you want and if that involves eating or drinking so be it but they don't want their train messed or soiled uh, from somebody's, even an accident. I tell this to Jolene, my, my little six-year-old, all the time. She goes, sorry. It was, it was, she doesn't spill things on purpose. She spills things accidentally, but still she spills things. The odds of somebody spilling something on a train are, have got to be like one in a hundred thousand. Oh, no, no. I would, be, I would think it's people are slobs. People are slobs. slobs. Are you talking about like a couple of shreds of lettuce from a sandwich falling on the, tra- on no, the train? No, people drop their drinks or, or it, let's say you're holding a nice big, because, co- you know, at, at the old McDonald's, they, they sell you the supersized Cokes, and those things are like a half a gallon full of liquid, and you drop one of those things on the seat? I'm telling you, when you're the kind of person that rides the bus, and I'm, I've been there, I've been a steady bus rider for five years now, uh, you, you don't let your drinks go. Like, you bought that drink, and that drink has value to you. I'm, t- I'm well, telling yeah, of you, man, course. never seen a spill on the tr- on the bus. Now, I've seen spills on, like, shuttles going from casino to casino because people had been drinking and continu- were continuing to drink on said shuttle. Uh, but that's a different animal. I mean, for normal public transportation, I just feel like, leave them be. It's not, it's not a problem. I was pretty amazed that the burrito-eating guy, he was... Um... He was calm. He never said anything. Maybe he was just too busy eating his burrito to really worry about it. But he took a pretty good barrage. <laughs> that was my favorite part. He, he tells the guy, you don't get it. You must be stupid. <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, at that point, burrito eating guy should have taken the burrito. And I'm surprised he didn't stuff it in the uh, in, in the mad guy's face. It would have been a much better video if it had ended that way. Yes. Um, he, just, he just ate his burrito and then got up at the next stop and left. Um an angry guy said he just wants people to follow the rules while on the train. Um, and then I was reading some of the, of course, as I like to do. He was reading. Uh, I was reading the uh, comments um, on the thing, and and it was because it was posted all over the place. It was also posted on Reddit, which I know you love. Yes. Um, and some were agreeing with the man, others calling him out for his tactics. Um, but there are, you know, there were signs banning people from doing it. We well, all know why. Because as as I think, people are slobs. I mean, that's what it is. And and you know what? Another thing, there's also smells involved. Because a lot of foods smell. Smell awful. 
Some foods smell great, like burnt popcorn. You've had that smell here in the newsroom. I've had people burn their popcorn, and it's horrible. Mm -hmm. It smells up the entire newsroom, and everybody has to deal with it. But a breakfast burrito is pretty innocuous. Right? Yeah, you would think so, but that's but you can't then have a a sign on the on the wall of the bus saying, "All right, these foods are permittable and these foods are not." Well, that just comes back to personal discretion, though. And I think like I think the red line actually is where this guy ended up. Is it like a fast food burrito or a fast food sandwich, such as a Big Mac? Or some other sort of like things, things that come in a paper bag. Well, those things, those can smell too. Because even if I'm coming from home from, well, from let's say Five Guys, or coming home from uh, Chick Fil A, that's that that smell lingers. Right, but uh, so, uh, again, that's the line, right? Because if if we go one step further to fried oyster po', po boy, I'm saying no, don't <laughs> don't eat that on the bus. Thank you. Maybe we should have that whole entire. Maybe we shouldn't be able to eat crab salad on the bus. Definitely not crab salad. I would say any sort of salad, mayonnaise based, mustard based, can't do it. Um, hot any, dogs. Anything that involves a fork and a knife. I would say hot dogs. Chili are, dogs. See, chili, chili dogs, dogs. No hot dogs. Yes. Chili dogs, no. Hot dogs, yes. Yep. So what else could I put on my... Because it is 4th of July, so a lot of people like putting the mustard and the onions and the relish. If you need And sometimes to, the peppers and onions out here, the you, grilled you stuff. Know, you know how it comes in the little paper thing, the hot dog? Yeah. If you need to leave it in there to eat it because the toppings are going to spill over, you should not be eating it on the bus. You know what we had on our story about uh, what people like most on their hot dogs? One of the toppings ahead of ketchup was salsa. I was so mad about that story. I Salsa. texted my wife right away when I saw it. So one was mustard, and then you had onions, relish, uh, uh, blah blah, and then bacon was on there. Bacon. Oh, that's when Molly. Crowd. And that's yep. when Molly said, "I don't like meat on my meat." That's funny. That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> she doesn't like meat on her meat. There you go. So you know what? So far, Angry Man has not been persecuted like um, the rest Patio of them. Patty and. What was it, Strawberry Susie or whatever? You know, all yeah. these other people that are, are calling other people out. and So he's not being persecuted in that way yet. It's too bad. He he earned it more than, well, as much as the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> but this is the problem with public transport. Some people follow the rules. Other people don't follow the rules. I'm not usually a rule follower. That's true. But I will follow those rules. Um. Because if you eat on the on the train like like my kids eat in the car, that's no good. I follow the golden rule, which is treat others as you wish to be treated and treat others' property as you wish to be treated. Yes. Public transport is not your property. Very few people actually follow that, whether it comes to just in general or especially when it comes to posting or politics or anything like that. Well, definitely not in the comments section of anything. No. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Well, coming up. How do you like to buy a car? At a dealership? On the internet? Maybe on your phone? We'll talk about buying a car via an app and how apps like this threaten traditional dealerships. That and so much more as the Driving Your Crazy podcast continues. Listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. 
I love politics. I love anything that is politically motivated. Um, I just think that they're very, very consequential. Something that I've pushed for in all of my reporting and all of my years um, is for people to get out and to vote, not just in national elections, but in local elections in particular. Um, and so in my last uh, city that I was working in, in El Paso, there'd be times when only a few hundred people would vote. And what they don't realize is that those votes for the, the local elections make the difference between your city council representative um, and somebody else that, that uh, you didn't have a say in. And so I love politics, um, but I also love um, human interest stories. I like hearing from a grandma who uh, cut the hair of President Nixon. I mean, just anything, really. I love hearing how different people grew up and how they perceive the city and the world and how they grew to have those views. Megan Lopez, only on Denver 7. The number one reason why you should watch Denver 7 Mornings is, well, for me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. For everybody. I mean, this team is awesome, and I, we, we love each other. Jason's sitting here in the audio booth looking at me right now. I really, I love this guy. He's like a big brother, uh, and now we've got Molly on the team, and man, that girl kills me. I think she might be my sister from another mother. She's very fun, and Mitch is just, well... Mitch is Mitch. His hair is perfect. He's perfect. And he kind of looks like Clark Kent. That's a reason to watch. Lisa Hidalgo, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast, where we're old-timey music patriotic here today. It's Independence Day, after all, and we're both working on this holiday. It's true, but I brought a cannon, and I'll be setting it off later. In the newsroom, hopefully? Yes. Um, Good. I don't mind working the holiday, actually. I wish I could have tomorrow off and Friday off, because there were some fireworks last night, but most of the fireworks are like tonight. And it's going to be um, pretty much like Baghdad around my house, even though there's the fireworks ban and all the fire. And, and right, you're not supposed to. And, and in Colorado, you're not supposed to shoot fireworks that leave the ground. But that doesn't stop people from driving to Wyoming, where they do sell those kind of fireworks, and bringing them back to my neighborhood, and then setting it off with these these shells that you know go a hundred feet over your house and then explode like it's a professional firework display. Just as an aside to our veterans, we don't think it'll actually be like Baghdad. Uh, no, it'll sound similar, though. Yes. A little shock and awe in my neighborhood here tonight, I'm sure. Um, I'm always shocked because I live in the middle of downtown at how many people do set off their own fireworks from the rooftops of buildings uh, when they have no business doing so. Sometimes, oh yeah, that's a good one. Hey, we could do that here at this building. Yes, we could. Uh, a lot of times what I'll try to do is go to, go to maybe get a, like a nap or go to bed, try to go to bed early, and then I get woken up at 8.30 or 9 um, by the fireworks and then try to go back to sleep. Uh, the fireworks over Civic Center Park were going off on my walk home last night, like literally four blocks over. God, it was very nice, man. It was one of the first fireworks shows I've appreciated because usually my stance on fireworks and parades are, you know, I'm just standing around watching people. What's the point of that? Yeah. yeah I like the, you know, the kids... I see things differently through my kids' eyes, and mm. they love the fireworks. Just I actually love them. Uh, here's an example of a driver driving where a driver isn't supposed to drive. Someone drove 1,000 feet on some fresh concrete in a construction zone in southeastern Minnesota. If you think about a football field, that's 300 feet. So that's three football fields wow. on wet concrete. Uh, the highway department said that the damage, get this, was estimated at $100,000. 
$100,000 for 1,000 feet of wet concrete? I mean, have you dealt with construction? You've dealt with construction companies. You know how that goes. I'm surprised it wasn't more than that. (laughs) Police say the driver got a ticket, and the state filed an insurance claim so they can get the damage paid for. Mm. Uh, If you ever need a free ride in a taxi, you happen to find yourself in Finland, then I do have a story for you. Um, Because I think they are out of the World Cup now, but their, their neighbors, Sweden, are in. Passengers in some electric taxis there in Finland. You'll be able to ride for free as long as you're prepared to sing for the driver. You cannot pay a fare. You actually cannot give them any kind of money. You actually have to sing to pay. There's a clean energy company that came up with this idea to sponsor a fleet of BMW i3 electric cars. And there's, it's this promotional deal during their... Rusk Rock Music Festival this month. I'm a big fan. Do you have to sing good? Uh, it doesn't say, no, it does not qualify. You have to sing well. <laughs> I want you to know that I went with good intentionally because it was grammatically incorrect. Good. Very nice. My <laughs> father used to hammer that to us I all could, the time. I could tell by your response. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joseph, we've talked many times here on the Driving Your Crazy podcast about how the internet and how apps and how they're all starting to change the way we buy and sell cars. Because dealerships are not really as powerful, I think, as, as they used to be. Well, there's a Denver-based company that created an app a few years ago that allows anyone to buy or sell a car just by taking a picture of it with your smartphone. It's supposed to be as easy as that. Joining us now to talk about it is the founder and CEO of the app, Rod Busher. Good. Good morning. Let's, happy 4th. Yes, happy 4th. So, Rod, let's start off by asking, what is the app and how does it work? Well, my, my background has been in the car business my whole life. I started the L.A. stores in Denver and the Groove stores and a bunch of others around the country. And what I understood were the pain points that customers had when they were selling their car or trading their car in or trying to sell it on Craigslist. And so we're trying to solve those pain points and give them more for their car than they would if they were trading it in and give them a safe and secure environment. So that's what we did to create Blinker, and we wanted to do it where it was seamless and easy and all on your smartphone. So literally, you you download the app either on, on Google or the App Store. You stand six feet behind any car in America, take one picture, and in less than three seconds, you know, year, make, model, all the equipment of value and how many miles are on the car. Then if it's your car and you want to sell it, we ask you to take a picture of your driver's license so we can verify that you own it. We do a fraud check on the car to make sure it's not a stolen car or a salvage vehicle, which we won't allow um, posted on our site. Once we verify that, then we ask you to take a few more pictures, and we give you guidance on what pictures to take. We ask you to write a brief description of uh, things that either are exceptional about your car or maybe you've got a thing in it you want to point out. Um, and then we ask you to put a pin in the map to show a safe and secure location uh, where you're comfortable showing your vehicle. We have some suggested sites for that also. And then we give you pricing guidance. You pick your price once we give you that guidance, and then we convert that price to a monthly payment. And that's really the key about Blinker is now you're selling a car like a dealer would for a price or a monthly payment. And about 80 to 90% of America buys their cars for a monthly payment, especially when they get over ten dollars or $12,000. Once that's all done, we formulate the ad, and then we syndicate your ad out to 
Uh, we actually put it on Craigslist. We put it on places like Cars.com and Auto Trader. We suggest you put it out to your social network on Facebook and places like that. And um, and that's it. So your car is posted. You can do that in less than 10, 15 minutes at max. And uh, and we do that for you all for free. Why wouldn't I want to do that just on Facebook or Craigslist or Auto Trader without going through the app if that's where you're sending uh, some of the, the, these listings anyway? Yeah, so because if you listed out there, you haven't gotten all the, all the uh, um, technology that we provide you. Um, with the, with the uh, uh, photo recognition, we give you a free forty dollar Carfax report to show your potential buyers. We post it free for you to sites that could charge you a fee to uh, to post to. And most importantly, we we provide safety and security, and we guarantee the funds when you sell your car. Blinker guarantees that you're getting uh, the funds, and it's not a bad check or it's not bad dollar bills or all those kind of things. So we provide all of that for you for free in a seamless manner. So to finish the other side now, you posted your car and I want to buy it. I want to buy your car. I see it online. I message you. I ask some questions maybe where it's anonymous so both of our names are protected. Uh, then I may want to come drive it. So I ask if I can come to your safe location and drive your car. Once we do that, I make you an offer through the app. You accept it. You reject it or counter. Once we get together and it's done, I have already sent my information to Blinker. I've simply taken a picture of my driver's license. I've gotten pre-approved for credit in less than a minute. And now that we've agreed on price, all the documents are brought up on the phone. He signs your DocuSign. And once that's done, you hand me your keys, and the money is guaranteed in your bank account tomorrow morning, and I'm making my payments to Blinker. So we have done an entire transaction on a phone, which we could complete in less than 30 minutes, and we haven't gone to a dealership. We haven't gone to a bank. We could sit at a Starbucks and do it. So what's your daily, what's your average user base like? Like how many people do you have using the app today? So we have 220-some thousand downloads. We've had uh, 11,000 cars listed on our site, and we've sold about half of those, around, I think it's around 6,000 cars. So that's, and that's half of our business. The other half of our business is refinance. So if you feel like your, your interest rate is, is a high interest rate, um, you can take a picture of the back of your car and you have your driver's license, and we can give you a new quote for a payment in uh, in less than a minute and uh, typically we're saving the average customer a hundred and twenty dollars a month oh, wow. on their car payment and on the buy side people are saving uh, they're getting about an extra twenty nine hundred dollars on uh, by selling their car themselves over what they would for trading in it at the dealership and buyers are saving about twenty five hundred dollars and that's on a roughly fourteen or fifteen thousand dollar car so the savings and the extra income is very significant. So what I would ask is, it seems like one of the challenges with this app would be not just maintaining a steady flow of, I guess you'd call them dealers who are putting the cars on the market, but also maintaining a steady flow of people who need a car. Because that's generally a one or two time transaction over a five year period. You buy the car and then you're good. You're in good shape. 
So what do you do to keep recruiting users to the app to make sure that you have an active marketplace that's looking to buy these cars that are for sale? Sure, great question. First of all, the uh, we don't we're not posting any cars on our app for dealers at this time. It's all private individuals, or um, we do have a couple of commercial sellers that we represent their cars for them. Secondly, the the Blinker app, the real the long term vision of the Blinker app is to have one app on your phone that does everything around car ownership. Whether you want to buy a car, sell a car, you want to get service on it, you want a service location recommendation, you want to buy a part for your car, you want to buy car insurance for your car. You want to get information on your favorite vehicle and have that information fed to you as soon as it comes out on the wire. So just, um, or just simply, most most of the times when people say, well, what's my car worth? I say, well, if you have your license plate number, and I can, I can say, well, let me call my wife, or let me go out in the garage, and I'll get that. With our app, it's right at your fingertips. All of you say, if you own one car or five cars, you can all have them parked in the virtual blinker garage and have all the information about, most of the time, your second biggest asset right at your fingertips. And um, and we give you all the information. Most people don't know the model of their car or the equipment on their car. And we keep all that information at your fingertips. And also, we can give you recall information. So, if a recall, so those are all things that are either active or soon will be active on the app. Now, since the app is free and you provide all these other free services, the Carfax and all those sort of things, is is are you, are you making money then by all the financing? Is that really the main generator of of, of funds for you guys? Because you have a lot. As I was looking at the website, you have a lot of employees there. We do. We have sixty five employees, and we do make our money on. It's all we're just like a you know a bank in uh, our interest rates. Where our interest rates are as low as two point nine. Uh, we finance most of America, and uh, uh, we make our money on uh, the finance uh, contract. We sell a service contract through Ally Bank. It's a premium service contract, and we sell that for about 30% less than I would have at the dealership. We sell guaranteed asset protection, so if you get in an accident and you owe more on your car than it's, than it's worth, uh, the uh, that gap insurance pays off the difference. It's a very low cost, uh, uh, very uh, uh, insurance that people really like to have because it really gives them great peace of mind. So if you're getting most of your money through the financing aspect of this, if I, let's say, wanted to sell my car to Joseph here and we didn't know each other um, and and, I, and it was going to be an all-cash deal, you're really not making any money out of that then? Correct. Unless you um, unless he buys a service contract, we're not making any money. We're doing it, and we're hoping you have a great experience. And the next, you need to buy a car, or a friend or family member needs to buy a car, they come back and use Blinker, or if they need to sell their car. Now you said that so you're not somewhere. working with dealers either yeah. now or maybe not even in the future. But how do you think that an app like this, or other sales, Tesla obviously is is disrupting the whole car dealership idea. Uh, how do you think this is going to disrupt what how we buy cars in the future? Sure. So we're not anti-dealer. We're pro-consumer and pro-transparency. And uh, uh, the dealers have, I mean, I was a dealer for 30-some years, and the dealers have a place, and I believe we'll have a place in our uh, in business for a long, long time. Uh, but they're going to change, and it's, it's, it's time to change. People do not like 
the experience, especially the finance experience. So Blinker, we're actually talking to some manufacturers now about our our uh, app, where you would be able to transact with a dealer basically and never go to the dealership. You'd be able to do everything on the phone, just as I described. You would find the car you want online. You would apply for credit through the app, and you would sign all the documents through the app. And the only thing you would do when you went to the dealership or when they uh, pick the car up or when um, they deliver it to your home. So um, we think that that is, you know, that's digital dealer retailing, and that's definitely coming. That's what people want. There's tons of surveys. That that's the way people want to do business. And we believe Blinker has the best technology on the market to, uh, to do that. Well, that's a good segue into my next question, Rod, because listening to you talk and having this conversation right now, it seems to me that your biggest asset is simply having your act together, right? Because it seems like Volkswagen or Ford or any of these major car companies could put together an app in relatively short order that would be a direct competitor and would have some significant advantages over you. Would you agree with that? They could, but we've built a pretty good moat around our our, uh, technology. We have 17 patents that we've filed. Uh, 14 of those have been issued. And uh, we control... If you want to take a picture of the back of a car, including a license plate, and get all the information, your made model, all the equipment of value and approximate miles, you have to come to Blinker to be able to do that because we control that technology and we have it all patented. So, you want to buy a, why you want to buy insurance, you want to get a service recommendation all from us on your smartphone. We we have patents around all of that. So we feel very comfortable that we are going to be unique in the marketplace for quite a while. Here on the podcast, we're we're always talking about self-driving cars and the, and the predictions in the future, even as early as five years. Uh, we, we think it's going to be many years beyond that, mm-hmm. about the overtake of self-driving cars and how everybody's going to be uh, owning a self-driving car, and therefore you're you're either going to get around by a self-driving Uber or your own self-driving car, and you're really not going to have these kinds of transactions like we have now, buying and selling cars. So how does uh, how does your app, or or how do you see that playing out in the future? First, kind of speak for themselves. There's 270 million cars on the road today. We send 12 million cars to the uh, salvage yard a year. So just just do the calculation on that. If we stopped selling cars with steering wheels today, it would take a long time to get all the cars off the road that have steering wheels that are that have real drivers behind. So it's going to take a lot longer than five years. I believe what's going to happen is the Ubers, the Lyfts, those kind of companies will be the uh, leaders in the autonomous vehicles, and then it'll move into the private sector. But it's going to be a long time before uh, nobody's driving vehicles and. And um, so there's lots of business to be done between now and then. And uh, we actually are supporting and, and talking with some of the uh, the new entries like uh, like Uber and and um, Turo and, and some of those uh, where you rent your car. We're actually in conversations with them about how how we can uh, uh, partner together. So. I mean, are you in conversations also to be part of that self-driving car industry once it starts to take off a little bit? Do you envision you know, yourself as players there? It's more about how they, you know, for example, some of the rental car companies now that are private. So if you want to rent your car, we're in conversations about how those get financed and, and transacted. Um, but we've got, we have people in our office that they, they use their car and, 
what they rent it uh, ten days a month and make their car payments and uh, and then drive it the rest of the time. And so uh, we can help those kind of customers uh, with their transactions. So we were pretty impressed by as I was looking at the website and looking through your Facebook page. Uh, you you guys respond to just about every, if not every single comment that comes into Blinker. So what, maybe from your perspective, what what is the worst piece of hate mail or comment that, that you have received, and uh, what have you done about it? You know, it was really the worst thing that was ever said was from a dealer, and that that we were going to kill the dealer business and and put people out of work. And how did you respond to them? And we said we just disagreed with that. We think there's tons of business, you know. Like I say there's 270 million cars on the road. There's 50 million cars sold every year. Blinker is only going to get a small piece of that. If you look at CarMax, they're the largest seller of cars in America. They sell about 700,000 cars a year, and that's 1.6 percent of the marketplace. So there's plenty of business for anybody that's paying attention and is customer-focused, and is moving with the trends, there is plenty of business for everyone to be successful. Well, here's one piece of hate mail that I saw, and maybe you can share your thoughts on this. What I saw was a lot of users saying that you guys go through the data collection process on them before verifying where they're located and before even verifying whether or not you sell cars in their state. Is that something that's accurate, and is that something you guys are trying to fix? You know, Dave, we're, we're alive in Colorado, Texas, Florida, and California for buy-sell. And we're alive in those states plus seven others for um, uh, refinance. So we're not collecting. In, if we're not in the state, we're not asking anybody um, because they can't list their car for sale. So we're not asking for personal information. And they can't finance a car because we're not live in their state. So... If we, um, we're only asking for personal information is if they are active in a uh, transaction. Um, because the app is free. We don't ask a lot of information even to sign up on the app. I don't know if you downloaded it, but it's very simple and quick. And so there's no reason that we would ask for any personal information um, unless they're transacting. And finally, for me, Rod, you, you said that uh, you started the John Elway dealerships with John. Did you know him? How did that all come about where you were able to start that dealership with John? I, I bought, uh, you know, truth be told, I bought my first truck when I moved here. It was a little uh, 4 by 2 Toyota pickup at John Elway Toyota down there on uh, on Arapahoe Road. So how did that all come about? Do you remember what year that was? Oh, probably 94. Yeah, yeah, we bought, so we bought that Toyota store in 1991. So I was in the, I had bought, uh, purchased my first dealership, um, up on 104th Street in, uh, in North Glen, um, in 1987. <laughs> I wanted to expand in the business and, uh, didn't have the capital to do that. And, uh, I had, uh, I knew my, I knew my wife, we knew the um, CFO of the Broncos and asked him if he would make an introduction to Pat Boland and, and I wanted to talk to him and see if he was interested in getting into the car space, and I did. He he was, and he asked to uh, to uh, if we were going to do a partnership to bring John in, and so uh, we did that in 1989. It was the three of us, and then uh, in 1991 we made a very large purchase of several stores. And Pat said he was going to stay in the football business, and so it became just John and I, and we bought Pat out of the partnership, and then John and I continued from 
91 to 98 until we sold our dealerships to AutoNation. But we went from one store to the largest retailer in Colorado in that seven-year period. Can we go sports talk radio for a second? Where would you say <laughs> John Elway ranks among the greatest athletes turned business people of all time? Well, I think yeah, I think he's right on top. I mean, um, there's a lot of stories out there about um, athletes that have put money into opportunities and have failed. And um, the real key is for an athlete, you have to have a great team behind you just like he did on the football field, because you're held to a higher standard. When I was partners with John, if something went wrong, the customers would call and say, hey, we're going to call Channel 7 News, or we're going to call the Rocky Mountain News or the Denver Post and, and report on you guys. And uh, so we were just, uh, they were, you know, they they held that over our head that John's name was on the building. And, and so we were really held to a higher standard than the other dealerships. And we, we, we excelled at that. We appreciated that. And we had a great team and a great team was there to protect John's name and do the right thing by the customers every day. We had extremely high customer satisfaction ratings. And that's why the deal was so successful. It was funny because I, I remember when I had my truck, that little emblem on the very back of the truck. Uh, it was a metal one that said John Elway yep. Toyota on it. And then there was a run on them where people were stealing them from the back of vehicles. Um, right. Mine was never stolen. I actually sold it to um, to the helicopter pilot I was flying with at the time uh, years back. But um, I, I don't know what came of my truck, but I just remember that emblem was a really popular deal. Definitely a status well, symbol. We, we, we actually advertised that emblem, it was the, and we called it the badge. And, uh, in fact, my wife was... She did all the advertising, marketing, um, Melanie and directed John and all the commercials. But the badge was the feature of all of our commercials. You want to make sure that you have the badge on your badge on the back of your car so you know you're in the right place. And it was very successful and people from all over the country would come into our parts departments or call in and order the John Elway badge and we would ship them out you know, all across Colorado and nationwide through there. See there you go, making money. Smart man, right there. There you go. That's all you need. You just need to talk to rich people. That's what we. I think that's our problem, Rod. We we, we haven't talked enough to, to, to rich people to get us to get going on different ideas that we have. I see. Well, I mean, like really, we <laughs> you were guys just doing very well. We were just setting up the whole interview to see if you would introduce us to John Elway. Yeah, right. <laughs> I see. I see. All right, Rod. Thanks again for uh, being part here of the uh, Driving You Crazy podcast. Thank you very much, and have a great uh, holiday. You too, sir. All right. Well, we hope you all have a great rest of your holiday um, and the rest of the holiday week. A lot of people will be off the rest of the week. I think because the holiday is here in the middle of the week. I think people took off Thursday, Friday. I'm one of them. Tailing. Yeah, see, there you go. Um, but remember to be safe. And because we all want you around next, next uh, episode, uh, which will be here next Wednesday, we have a great interview scheduled for next week. And it will be a great a big story about... Um, how larger cars now are creating it uh, to be a much more dangerous situation for pedestrians and how more pedestrians are being killed by SUVs. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a fascinating story. Uh, anyway, don't be like uh, what they do on the main DOT boards. They put up some um, funny messages today. Okay. You're not a sparkler. Don't drive lit. Oh, come on. Yeah. Everybody wants to joke about getting lit this 4th of July. It, 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 it is the police's favorite thing to do besides making lift-up videos. 
By the way, there's there, there are ways to get home safely. I know we have a, the Mike Sawoya, the lawyer, the local lawyer, who will pay, uh, I think, up to $35 of your cab bill um, is to get you home safely. I encourage everybody to walk home. Um, no matter how far the commute is by foot. But you know, did, did you know that AAA in, in in let's say in the southern states and, and parts of the Midwest they have a um, a program called Safe Ride Home yep. or a Tow to Go, where they actually will tow your car. You get in the the, the tow truck and, and then they'll tow your car up to ten miles back home. That's brilliant. Now I don't know how many tow trucks they have roaming around doing that sort of thing, but I, that's a, that's a great idea. That way you get yourself and your car back home. I agree. They don't have it here. I don't know why they don't have it here. It should be in every state. It you does know? seem like uh, they could wind up overworked quickly. Yeah, you would think so. Anyway, have a great, safe holiday. We will be here again next week. And until then, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm perpetually lit, Joseph Peters. <laughs> be safe, and as always, happy motoring.